0: Welcome back to Off the Water. I'm your host, Darth Yacker, and joining me as always is my co-host, Tyler Caldwell. Our special guest tonight is Chuck Bahan. Chuck is a first-year officer with Bayou Coast. He's also an experienced and excellent angler from both a kayak and a boat. Uh, Chuck is going to talk with us tonight about some of the recent tournaments he's fished. He's also going to provide us with some tips for our upcoming Double Trouble Tournament. Uh, we got a lot of exciting things to talk about, um, so let's get right to it. Uh, Just real quick, before we get into fishing, though... Tyler, you heard about the big news this weekend, right? What's that? No collusion. the the, the collusion delusion's over. That's All right. right, we got Tyler. our we got our politics out the way. Uh, now we can get back to talking fishing. So, Tyler, uh, did you get to go out? This weekend was gorgeous.
1: The the weather was just
0: beautiful. Um, did
1: you get to fish any? You know, me and my uh, wife went and launched in Ruddick, and uh, she kind of wanted to to do a little scenic paddle. And of course, I brought the. Uh, couple rods really i brought a, a fly rod and that was my first time with it in the kayak trying to learn how to cast and stuff so it was more uh, a learning curve for that but i, I didn't catch anything it, it was more a sightseeing trip than anything look like you got a little sun at least i did get burned i should have put on sunscreen you should see my legs <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's okay well that for another day um you know i actually got to fish the, the lafayette club's marsh madness tournament this weekend down in cocodry we talked with justin Aber about that tournament last week um I think they had about fifty nine people sign up for that tournament. It was a, it was a really good turnout. Uh, it was a tough day though. I mean, the weather was beautiful. Um, the problem was at least the areas I was fishing. The water was really dirty. There was no tide, me- tide movement. Um, and I really didn't see a whole lot of fish tailing or anything like that. I, I did see a couple. Um, I did manage to um, to catch two bulls. Uh, they were about I think thirty and thirty one inches. I know uh, I, I gave you a couple pictures of that Tyler and I, I did catch a trout as well, but nothing what I needed. Uh, really had to get uh, two slot redfish was the goal for this tournament, um, and just couldn't just couldn't seem to put it together. I did have a good bag of baits though. I had some um, some matrix. I had some uh, overcast lures. I had a topwater lure, a gulp. Uh, actually, I, I caught all of my fish on the Terry Fam special, if you will believe it. Uh, I had a four horseman col- uh four horseman cork. And uh, that yellow curly tail, uh gulp uh, bait. And that's all I could seem to catch him on. Uh, I am happy to report, though, that I am in not in last place for the Jort Challenge. Uh, you know, from last week, we had Justin Aber on. He gave us the history of the Jort Challenge. And then, um, Tyler, you were kind enough to prod me uh, to sign up for that. So I, I really appreciate that. Um, as it turns out, though, many of the Lafayette Club members who were also involved in the Jort Challenge didn't weigh in any fish. So uh, that was a bright spot for me. At least if I wasn't going to catch any fish, I'm glad they didn't catch any fish. So now we're all kind of tied for, for last place there. Uh, on a happier note, some people did weigh in some fish from the tournament. Uh, a couple of the guys had some really nice slot reds. Uh, just real quick to announce the winners from this past week, uh, Ricky Smith finished in fifth place at 8.96 pounds. Uh, Cody Gidry finished in fourth. Uh, Cody, local guy, 9.28 pounds. Donnie Burton, two reds, 9.53 pounds. Jeff Robinson, 11.04 pounds. And Brandon Thibodeau, uh, 13.04 pounds. Tyler, I think we got a shot of Brandon. Um, He had a couple of nice fish. Uh, But you see the fish out there, those slots, these weren't your typical 25, 26, 27-inch redfish. You know, uh, nine pounds for two reds. You're averaging uh, close to four and a half pounds. I know um, we get some real studs down here in in Reggio and Delacro and some other places. but, uh, Jeff Robinson won the trout Calcutta for the big trout. I think it was a little under two pounds. Um, there was also led a leopard red category. Uh, honestly, I'm not even going to announce the names because second place had three spots and first place had five redfish are born with two spots, right? I mean, you get a default of two spots for a redfish. So if you're coming in and you got a leopard red with three spots, I mean, I don't know what to say. The the fish down there just don't have any spots. I've never seen something like that. Um, it was interesting though, with Brandon Thibodeau end up winning and taking first place. Uh, he actually had one fish the whole day, one keeper. He caught his last fish that put him over fifteen minutes before weigh-in time, right there by the uh, by the weigh-in area by by Coco Marina. So you know it goes to show you. You know you can fish all day. You get back in. You you know if you keep pumping it out and grinding it out. Hopefully something good will happen to you, and um, and you'll you'll weigh in that fish, Chuck. I know um, you were down there this weekend, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. How? Tell us about your experience out there and what you saw. I, I know you actually got to pre-fish it too.
2: Yeah, I pre-fished on uh, Friday, and uh, I actually found some decent water. Like I could actually see redfish. Uh, the problem was where I was. I located fish. It was mostly bull reds. And I did find some slots mixed in with them, but it wasn't a a lot enough to really get me excited. But I also didn't want to fish anywhere where there was really dirty water. I just cannot stand blind casting all day. So, but, uh,
0: so you end up, did you end up catching any slots?
2: Yeah, I had two slots. I think I had just under eight pounds. Okay. Uh, I got real unlucky though. I had, uh, I had two reds that were cruising their bases. Their backs were out the water on a oyster reef. And one was a bull and the other one looked like a really good slot. And right as I was about to cast on the slot, a pelican comes off the bank and flies right about five yards over both redfish. And they both spook like they thought the pelican was going to eat them. <laughs> and Right as that happens, I'm throwing the bait right over the redfish. And it was it. Oh, geez. And, yeah. Like five minutes later, another redfish was doing the same thing, and I hooked him, and right as I'm about to land him with the net, he flips and comes off the hook and literally was stuck on the oysters, and I was trying to get him with the net, and the net got stuck and then he eventually swam off. So that was pretty much my luck all during
0: the how, how many bulls did you end up catching on Saturday? Like
2: six, six or seven. I, I don't think I had one under 30 inches. They were all 30 to thirty to 32, 33 inches. Just,
0: there seemed to be more bulls out there than slot reds, it seems. I know a lot of people came in saying they caught bulls, but, but no slots. Yeah, I know uh, Lance Burgess said he caught a 42. Jeez, jeez. And not a lot of trout either. I mean, you know, a couple of guys weighed in trout. I think, like I said, the biggest one, it was well under two pounds. So, yeah, you know I, I didn't the,
2: even fish for trout.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the weight was all, well, with the redfish and everything. Yeah. Um, what, what baits did you have success with out there, you know, that was provided to in your bag? Was it anything provided in your bag or was it baits? Yeah, get- so my, the guy that
2: I had, I forgot his name, that had his bag, but um, most of my baits were clear. So I knew I could not fish in dirty, dirty water because my baits were basically being visible. I was hoping I'd have at least half and half. I had, I think, two baits that were dark. One was like like a black olive color with a chartreuse tail. That's the one I put on a one-eighth-ounce jighead. I fished with that one exclusively. I don't think I fished with another bait, and I caught all my fish on that one bait. Okay. Luckily, the jighead held up.
0: Yeah, that's good. Um, now, I know we have a big Francis Tran fan club out there, and everyone's wondering how the Tran man did. Uh, well, I'm sorry to report that Francis did not finish the money. He finished just outside the money in sixth place or something. So, so still a good showing for Francis, uh, you know, a lot of good anglers fishing out there this weekend. Um, some just really tough conditions. Uh, but you know, still, you know, if you're able to catch a couple of fish, at least, you know, you're finishing the angler of the year points and getting some points there. If you're able to at least catch one slot red. Yeah. Um, so look, last week we talked a, a little bit about, uh, that Apple watch. And I actually had two guys come up to me this weekend and told me that, uh, after I had mentioned the the walkie-talkie app on there, they went out and bought the watch just to use that app for fishing. Um, you know, there's it's that's a real handy app, but there's so much more you can do with that watch. Uh, if you are like me and you're you're out kayak fishing, you don't want to handle your cell phone a lot while you're out fishing. Just you know, accidents happen. Flip out your hand, fall through your drive, fall off the water. I know last year at the championship, one of the guys uh, on win actually donated his phone to Davy Jones Locker. So it went to the drink, and um, I think he actually ended up winning something or maybe placing to kind of even out his uh, his losses for the day. But the great thing with the, with the Apple Watch, um, you can keep your phone nice and secure, and you can do all kinds of things with it aside from using a walkie-talkie. Uh, you can actually uh, get phone calls on your watch. You can answer them. You know, sometimes the wife calls you. You know, things are going wrong in the house. You don't have to pull up the phone. You can just answer the phone, talk to them, and hang up you listen through music through a portable speaker on your kayak, I do that a lot, especially when I'm paddling long distances, um, or it, it's 10 o'clock in the morning. I haven't caught a fish all day. I'll start listening to some music. You can control your music with your Apple watch. You can sort through the music. You can sort through the songs. You can adjust the volume. Um, the other thing is we, you know, we use text messages sometimes when we're fishing, you don't want to walkie talk to somebody. You don't want to talk to them, but you want to text them. You can actually text to your, to your friends, to your groups, and you can actually use your voice to, to type up those messages. Now, you know, you, you may not get perfect uh, English in some of those messages, as Tyler knows from getting some from me. But once you start being able to figure out translating those uh, those broken messages, you'll start figuring it out. Um, you know, speaking of extras, I was on my way from Shreveport for work on Friday. I was driving down to Cocodry, and uh, I needed some to pick up my uh, some baits for, for, um, and some gear for the, for the tournament. And I went by Pack and Paddle. And uh, Chuck, I'm sure you've been to Pack and Paddle before? Yeah, yeah, and Tyler, I'm, I know you have, you know, every time you walk in there, it's it's got that lodge kind of feeling. Um, a lot of good people over there. Uh, Scott Biernu was actually there. Um, he was back. He had uh, he had surgery recently. Um, he was back at work. And Scott, we wish you a speedy recovery. Uh, so I was looking for some baits uh, to add to my bag this weekend, and he said, "Man, you know, with that dirty water, a spinner blade might be helpful." So I actually went with the Ginger Avenger inline spinner blade, um, and I, I did see a lot of those lures in the bags over there. One of the things I really wanted though was uh, was a rod holder, and th- the problem with the new Outback, and I love I love everything about the out- Outback, but the rod holders, and I don't know if y'all have the problems. In I know uh, Tyler, you're a native, and, and Chuck, you're in a Jackson, but for the Outback, the rod holders are way in front of the seat. So if you're gonna put the rod away, like say when you catch a fish, or if you're changing you know baits or hooks or something, you gotta lean way over and get out your seat to put the rod down. And then the holder itself is not very deep. So Scott actually showed me this new, um, this new rod holder. It was uh, from Yak Attack. And I think, Tyler, we've got a picture of it over there. Um, so it's designed to fit on a sliding track. And it can hold both a bait caster and a spinning reel. And you can actually lock them in place. So I, I, I put it on. It only took about 30 seconds to, to put it onto the sliding track with the, with the base that comes with it. Um, and let me tell you this, this just was made everything so much easier for me that day. You know, when you catch a fish and you're fumbling around and you got, you know, especially if you got treble hooks or something like that, and you're looking to to put your rod away, if you've got to get out of your chair and stick it way over, you know, to to put your rod down, then handle the fish, you know, that's a problem. This was just so easy. I could stick the rod in the holder. And have access to everything right there without having to move very far you know
1: Um, i I have a few of those uh rod holders and and i think that you know there's so many rod holders been on the market and uh to you you think that somebody that tries to reinvent the wheel wouldn't you know uh, to me it's just it's such an impressive design especially the the lock and load base for the track because you have like the ram ball mounts and stuff that Well, a lot of the track mount rod holders will want to um, lean over or unscrew, say, if you're trolling. And uh, the the way this one's designed is there's really no way that it can rotate once you uh, secure it down. It's it's a really neat design. Yeah,
0: and one of the things I get nervous about, um, I like to troll a lot when I'm fishing. And if you put that rod in that rod holder that comes in the kayak without anything extra in there, you're going to lose it trolling. You're going to hit a big red and he's gonna pull it straight out the back of the kayak, you know. So you definitely need something in there. This thing's designed. It's it's very stable. It's a lot deeper than the rod holders built in your kayak. Um, like I said, you can secure it down if you've got a spinning reel. It's also uh, it also fits the bait casters. Uh, you can adjust it outward. It's got two adjustable uh, knobs on it. So um, I don't think it was very expensive, but it's 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 an accessory that you're gonna use every time you go fishing. And um, at least for the new Outbacks, definitely worth having. Especially you know the, the ease of installation. You don't have to drill any holes or anything like that uh, with the, with the track that's out there right now. Um, you know, in my opinion, it, it's a must-have really for these kayaks. So and they have the out-
1: same the same lock and load base. They also use it for like fish finder and GPS mounts and stuff too. So they have it for some other accessories. So I've pretty much converted all my rail mount accessories to that mount now.
0: Yeah, it, it really is a great mount, and you know that's that's a thing um, about going to places like uh, Pack and Paddle and places like Backpacker. You know, a lot of people. It's very convenient for you just to go online and do shopping and stuff. But when you get to go over there and you get to talk to these people, and not only do they sell the product, but they use the product. And you know, there's a couple things Scott was telling me about when I was buying. I, I bought a couple of things over there, and Scott was telling me, look. This product right here is real nice, but you're going to get the same thing out of this product, and it's fifty dollars cheaper. You know, so if you if you can have a choice of spending twelve dollars on this or sixty dollars on this, and this does as good of a job, certainly go with the twelve dollar thing. You know, you you're really not going to get that shopping online. You really want to support those local vendors. You want to keep them in business. Um, I try to do it as much as I can. Um, I, I like shopping online, but I want these places open. So when I have questions. I can go talk to these people and, and and know that I'm getting a good product or at a good price.
1: And they, they do a lot to keep our club running and uh, keep, you know, yeah. so many of these prizes and stuff we're able to give away at our tournaments is all because of uh, of them. So I'll always say uh, support those who support us.
0: Absolutely. You know, shop in person for baits, things I can get at these local vendors. I'm going to go there instead of going online because I like, I like talking to people too. You go over there to buy one thing you may end up walking out there with five things and you can have a lot of good conversation with a lot of these guys because not only do they sell the products they use the products and they fish you know uh so it's it's really um it's really uh, a good thing to do and keep those guys in business um fishing reports uh chuck you you actually went fishing at a delacro on your boat this weekend didn't you yeah yesterday yeah how'd that go
2: yeah we smoked them um I went to a couple spots that I've done well in the past. And so uh, we were on my buddy's boat. And as uh, soon as we got there, three of us pitched our corks in the water and we had triple hookups. And for the next three hours, we just caught a bunch of 14 to 17, 18 inch trout. I think we stopped counting about 70. And I said, that we decided to go to a redfish spot that my buddy uh, likes to fish. And uh, we were on a bank and water was just getting slammed against the shoreline. And I think what it was doing was pinning up a bunch of bait. And four of us at the same time hooked up on four bulls. And we, in an hour and a half, we probably caught 40 redfish. And they were all between 16, 14, 16 inches all the way up to 38 inches.
0: Wow.
2: Pretty crazy. Awesome trip.
0: Were you all using just artificial
2: or? Uh, oh, artificial. Yeah. I was catching uh, just as many on the voodoo as we were on the gulfs.
0: Okay. The when we know were fishing, so we're not gonna ask you about spots. Was it kayak range though? Could you could yeah, you? So the trout the trout
2: was definitely kayak range. um We actually stopped um in that bay just west of Grand Lagoon for a little while to see if there was some still trout still in there, and that's definitely that's like a two two mile paddle uh, from Reggio. And oh wow! We caught I think twenty in there, and then we moved to my other spot that I knew there'd be some bigger trout, and yeah, that's the ones where we hammered them for a while. And the water was actually really clean in, in, in there. I think we caught two redfish that are about 24, 25 inches in, uh, in mixed with the trout. The water's probably eight out of 10. Wow. Um, another thing I did notice when we were working our way towards Delacro is just having that sunlight come out for the last three, four days, the grass has probably grown five, six inches in Delacro. And you could see grass almost on the surface of the water, which is good to see because it's gonna clean up a lot of water.
0: So, and that's a good point. I, you know, I hate fishing in grass. I'm I'm trying to learn. You know, as as it gets by because the grass is just it, it's really good for for red fishing. I mean, it it cleans up the water. Is that, doesn't it filter basically all the dirt yeah. and everything through it?
2: It fil- it filters water. But another thing that it does that really attracts redfish is sometimes when you're going through grass, you'll see little things scurrying on the top of the grass mats. That's basically small blue crabs. And they're constantly shedding in that grass, and those reds are swimming in and out of there picking on crabs. And so, in the summertime, redfish probably exclusively feed on, besides shrimp, probably feed on crabs. And uh, that's why they're another reason why they're in those uh, grass beds because they're just destroying the uh, crabs.
0: Yeah. And you know, w- we're going to bring you back because I, I want to, I know you love sight fishing those redfish, and you fish that area a lot. And you're, you know, you're really good fishing the grass. And what I want to do is get you back here and and give us some lessons about grass fishing, baits to use and how to fish it. Cause I get out there and I'm just snagged up on everything and uh, it gets frustrating. And so I don't go fish those areas like I, like I would like to uh, really learn how to do that. So uh, we've got a lot of other stuff to talk about tonight, but certainly we definitely want to have you back on here to talk about that because that's just, it's going to be a good lesson for a lot of those people. Um, There were, there were some good reports this weekend. I know uh, Reggio, uh, I heard, I know a couple people that went out to Reggio this weekend. They said the redfish were everywhere. The water was real clean. Um, Tyler, I think we got a picture. That one of the guys sent us uh, redfish swimming around. And uh, again, it's not that Florida water with that blue, blue water. But for Louisiana, this is probably about as clean as it gets um, with that picture right there. Uh, reports down Highway 1 and PAC are a little scarce right now as they tend to be right before a tournament. So everyone's kind of holding that information close to the vest. I did talk to some people, um, fish Leeville this weekend. Uh, I know some, some trout were caught. Uh, the guy I know, he, he didn't really go after redfish. He was fishing for some trout, uh, pack. I think early on on Sunday, I heard some real nice trout were caught, uh, early on. Um, and then the bite from what they tell me turned off about nine o'clock. So, and that's funny with trout. You just never know if you're not there when that bite happens, you miss it. You could come in and say, I fished all day, I didn't catch any trout. Some guy said, I was here from you know 6 to 7, caught all my trout, and after that, nothing left. Um, also talked to Captain Eric Mohoberak with the Louisiana Kayak Company uh, today about fishing down Highway 23. For those of you that don't know it, Captain Eric is a, uh, a charter captain. He does uh, kayak fishing trips all the way down Highway 23. Um, Eric gave me a lot of great information today. He tells me down in Venice that in between Tidewater Road and Yellow Cotton Boat Launch, they're catching limits of reds along the canes with gulp under a cork. Um, if you venture into the ponds, he says the reds are stacked up for sight casting. Uh, if you go into the open water and work top water, he said they're catching some nice trout. He said some up to 24 inches along the uh, the drains. Um, they've had a, uh, a few uh, flounder actually being caught over there. Emburus um, launching out of Joshua's. They're catching limits of reds, keeper reds, along the marsh, tight-lining plastics. Uh, he recommends the uh, Matrix Green Hornet. He said there are also some really big bulls being caught in the flats in the 35 to 41-inch 40 range. Uh, and he says on the right day, you can sight cast them. If the wind's down, the water's clean. He said they're also catching some trout out of the, out of Joshua's uh, using a, a voodoo and a cork. Um, behind the high school in Port Sulphur, if any of you guys ever fished that area, it's a real easy, uh, real easy to get to. It's a free launch. Um, he said the limits of trout are being caught in Bay 1 and Bay 2, ranging from about 14 to 18 inches. Again, he recommends using a voodoo short voodoo shrimp under a popping cork. Uh, when the action slows down, he recommends heading into the ponds and catching uh, reds on um, Johnson Gold Spoons. Um, lastly, East Point of Lahash, kind of an area that we don't talk about much. He said launching out of shells using cut bait, or shrimp on the bottom. He said they're catching some really nice catfish right now. Freshwater cats, uh, tw- two two pounds to actually running up to thirty pounds. So if any of you guys like to uh, go freshwater fishing, looking for some big catfish, you know that may be an option. So I wanted to thank Captain Eric for giving me this report. Uh, a lot of very good information in there. Uh, if you're looking, um, if you're a fisherman looking to learn the Highway 23 uh, area, or just looking to put some meat in the freezer. And you want to book a kayak trip, you can reach Captain Eric at the Louisiana Kayak Company on Facebook and Instagram. You can also give him a call at 504-313-8292. That's 313-8292. Again, that's Captain Eric Mahobarak at the Louisiana Kayak Company. All right, Chuck, you know, we talked to you a little bit earlier about uh, about some things, but, you know, um, one of the things we like to do on here is when we bring a new guest on is to have them tell them tell them about themselves. And just so people get to know you, you know, when they're out there fishing, And running into tournaments, they say, you know, hey, that's Chuck Bahan. I I saw him on the podcast the other day. Um, Where are you from originally, Chuck? So I was born in New Orleans,
2: grew up in uh, Mattery until I was about eight years old. And then my family moved across the lake to Mandeville. and So I lived on the North Shore until college.
0: Okay. And where'd you go to college?
2: I went to LSU. I have uh, two degrees from LSU.
0: What are your degrees in? I know one's in nursing, I think.
2: Yeah. So I have a BSN in nursing. I have a, uh, a bachelor of science in kinesiology and then an MBA from Southeastern.
0: Okay. And uh, currently you live in Metairie.
2: I do. I live close to Bonneville.
0: Yeah. To and I, I know bottom. just from, you know, from, from being friends with you, you are a, uh, a registered nurse. Is that right? Yes. Okay. I work in, I work in the emergency department. Yeah. Um, and, and that's got to be, I guess, kind of exciting for lack of a better word. Yeah. You know, it's see some, not you see some interesting things.
2: Yeah, you get a you get a few um, overdoses every now and then. You get GSWs, uh, gunshot wounds, um, yeah. some bad car accidents, but anything that's serious trauma usually goes to University Hospital because they're a level one trauma center.
0: Didn't you get a uh, didn't you get a free bait recently working?
2: Oh uh, yeah. So a lady was working. uh, I guess in the. Uh, the sporting goods section at a Walmart somewhere on the West bank. And she comes in with a treble hook in her hand. It was a top water, And I knew right away, I was like, Oh, you picked the perfect nurse to take this hook out. <laughs> and the, uh, the physician assistant and the doctor walked in and I said, I got this. And so they laughed about it because they knew, my background. And so they just made an x-ray of the, of the finger just to make sure that wasn't any, uh, the hook wasn't in the bone or anything. And, uh, I gave him a tutorial. So it was like six of them in the room watching me pull the hook out using, uh, you know, you put line on the shank and push your thumb down on the top of the hook and whip it out. And, uh, she literally wanted to kiss me on the cheek right after I finished that. And, uh, and I I got the bait and I've actually fished with the bait since uh that, that episode <laughs> and uh, I haven't caught anything on it yet, but uh I, I do like Benockinok topwaters, especially when they're free.
0: So, you know, I was thinking that that's you know, maybe we could get a, a live action demonstration here. Um what I'll do is narrate. Uh we'll put the hook in Tyler's hand and then Chuck, you can show us how to properly remove it.
1: Okay. Uh, no yeah.
0: Well, you know what? It would it would have been good. I think this past weekend, uh uh, Aaron LaRose actually put a hook through his hand. He was at the uh, the ER getting it removed. Dang. Yeah, I could do a tutorial one not Tom save everybody an ER bill. Yeah, like to, t- I'd like to see that. That's that'd be another good episode. We'll do a we'll do a safety episode there and I like to see because I've heard the trick with removing the hook. I just um I don't know how to do it, but I've I've definitely heard about it. So it's definitely a uh, good company there for uh for her to come in and, and go to the right person with the doctor. I'm sure the doctor would have screwed up the badonkadonk, right? He's breaking up the pliers and wanting to she cut would, the hook she would up. Probably and, cut
2: the cut the uh the hook off the uh, off the yeah. uh, oh there. Wow I'm sure Erin loves the fact that she told him about the uh that story
0: <laughs> so look um I know you love to fish but what a lot of people don't know about you is that you have quite the green thumb. I do yeah, tell, tell I us do. about that i'm always seeing pictures so, so my mom's a master gardener uh she's retired
2: and i've always been uh interested in growing vegetables when i used to live on jeff off jefferson highway close to Osler, i had a couple beds back there and i grew a bunch of tomatoes and since i moved over to Metairie, the other side close to uh, Bonnable, i put four uh in ground beds back there by the pool and uh I literally grow vegetables all year round: tomatoes, onions, garlic, shallots, uh, all kinds of greens. I've got four or five different peppers I'm growing right now, and a bunch of heirloom tomatoes. And I'm actually—I don't laugh at this. I'm—I uh, actually, in April 1st, I'm getting a thing in the mail from LSU Ag Extension, and uh, I'm going to apply to get my um, Master Gardener uh, license. I take some summer classes if I get accepted.
0: We are going to laugh at you for that. <laughs> So yeah. <laughs> But man, that's great. I've seen some of your vegetables. They look really nice. You know, they're, they're certainly, I guess, organic. They're fresh. Uh, and I know you like to cook, you know, I know you're always using them to cook with. And, um, uh, and I think, uh, was it, didn't we have some mojitos over there at your house one night or something? You we're putting some of your vegetables in or something. Yeah,
2: No, it wasn't. Uh, what?
0: Mint that grows mint. Like wheat. that's what it was. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, that was nice. That was nice. All right. So, so off the vegetables, back to fishing, what kind of kayak do you have?
2: So I have a Jackson, uh, Cusa FD. It's, uh, it's not as fast as a lot of the smaller kayaks, uh, Jackson makes, but it's super stable. It's a really good sight that, uh, casting, uh, kayak. And if I get in some rough water, open bays, it handles waves really well. And, and, um, I've, I've never flipped in that kayak and it literally would, it would take an act of Congress to actually flip that thing. So
0: it's just a that's little bit a, heavier when you're trying to
2: unload it, you know, in and out of the – And
0: thing. that's a – it's also a pedal, pedal-driven pedal kayak, correct? Yes. What's interesting about it, though, and
2: um, I'll have it hopefully the beginning uh, or middle of April, but uh, Jackson's actually coming out with what's called the E-Drive. And it actually mounts where your pedal system is, and you just run it to 12-volt battery system, and it'll push it about four to five knots. And the range will be about an hour and a half run time, wide open. So if you bring two deep cell batteries, you literally can run it all day. Probably your range would be anywhere between 15 and 25
1: miles. The the Jackson wow. rep at uh, Beer and Gear, last, was that last week? Two uh, two weekends ago, she had brought yeah. one, and uh, we were looking forward to playing with it. And then um, they had forgot the, uh, the, it's the the kill switch, the emergency yeah. kill switch. They had forgot the the pin that sticks in there to – that was the – in other words, it doesn't operate if you don't have that uh, safety. Feature right. That they so, left the pin, yeah. so we didn't get to play with it.
2: They're actually they're actually uh, the KBF right now, which is over by Caddo Lake. Um, all the guys uh, from Jackson uh, the, on the team, they're actually all demoing that, that E-Drive as we speak. And there's going to be some really good uh, video footage on it out there. I know um, Jamison Redding. Had sent out uh, a group text to a bunch of us, you know, the guys that are using it and I've seen a few videos and it's pretty damn impressive. And the price point, I think is going to be like five ninety nine, oh. which is a lot cheaper That's than the Torquitos. The, yeah. The
1: Torquitos are a lot more money than that. That's a good deal. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Those Torquitos, I mean, they're nice. Um, I know Matt Van has one um, and uh, you know, they're, they're nice for zooming around and scouting and everything uh, before a tournament. But I think they're like, about two grand or something like that a little bit over two grand. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a lot of money when you, when you spend three grand on a kayak and another two grand on something like I mean, that. I mean, the advantage with the
2: Torquedo, it's got the, the battery installed in the uh, system itself. But mm-hmm. once that battery dies, you're, you know, you have to pedal with the, this system. You'd be able to bring as many batteries as you want. And uh,
0: Th- that's nice. That's nice. I would be concerned if you get out too far with a torpedo and uh, that battery dying on you and <laughs> having to pedal all the way back in. Yeah. Um, Chuck, you're also on the uh, the pro staff for Jackson, right? Correct. Okay. Um, and I mean, you do a great job for him. I know you you use that kayak and you're always uh, you're always in the top in these tournaments. You know, you can't win them all, but boy, you certainly do finish a lot uh, in the top five, top ten a lot. Um, now, I want to go back a few years for people that weren't in the club at the time who uh, maybe who missed the story. But back in 2017, uh, the club decided to add a championship tournament at the end of the year. Uh, it was kind of a celebration to kind of get everybody who had fished the tournaments and did well or finished in the top 15 to, to get together, kind of have a little party, pre-fish Friday, do the championship on, uh, on Saturday. And it's just turned out great. We're going on to our third year of the championship. Um, also, you know, a lot of the guys couldn't fish every tournament um, they'd come in and they were able to qualify for one. They'd never had a chance to win Angler of the Year because we all understand we have, you know, we have families, we have jobs, just a hard thing to do. But everybody's got noticed. You can come out, you could take a vacation day, you could fish that tournament and, and walk away with um, with a lot of money and, and just have a great time. Um, unfortunately, as you know, you would expect with Bayou Coast, we have not had the best of weather for our first two tournaments. Uh, our first one, took place in december in uh, kokadri louisiana and um the whole year led up to this tournament we were very excited about it uh and we picked the absolute worst weekend to fish it wasn't rain it wasn't wind it was snow of all things um chuck tell us what you remember about that tournament i know tyler's got some pictures uh kind of documenting that that weekend but um tell me what you remember. I know you actually went up there on that Friday, which yeah, was so, the worst day to go because it was snowing outside that day. That was the correct. day. It was
2: sleeting. I, yeah. I, I pulled up down a, a, a road, an area that I wanted to try before the launch on the West side. And, um, I remember getting in the water, it was sleeting and like rain coming down on me. And, uh, I didn't have gloves on and I literally five minutes after I left the launch, I was already starting to get hypothermia in my hands and my feet started getting cold and I'm like telling myself, what the hell are you doing? And I literally turn around and I'm fighting the North wind. I finally get back to the truck and I'm literally, I have to jump in the truck and warm up before I could load the kayak on the trailer. And I went back to uh, Cogadri to the uh, launch and I see Eric just Barbecuing away and cooking a gumbo. I said, That's where I'm going to be.
0: There was a lot of drinking that night. Everybody was, we were outside hanging out, drinking. Eric was making a gumbo. Um, I think another I think, guy had done some ribs. That was the infamous
2: night, I think, that Todd crushed the uh, Mississippi State cowbell.
0: He did. He crushed Michael Etheridge's cowbell, broke his heart. Broke his heart. Yeah, we put it into that shit. Terrible. Um, and was it Johnny Bergeron? Was that who jumped in the pool? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, uh, he this he guy strips down to his skivvies, mind you, it's snowing outside, and he jumps into the pool on a bet. Um, at the pool, they have a cocoa marina. I think it he was, won, like, I think
2: he got a hundred dollars out of it. I that. think
0: he did get a hundred dollars, but it was it was cold. Um, I know, uh, with the way if you've ever been to cocoa marina, with the way the rooms are lined up, at one part, there's a there's a balcony outside the rooms, and you can walk outside the back balcony and you can actually go to the other rooms that open onto the balcony. Um, Jason Bain had a Santa Claus outfit out there that day. It was right close to Christmas. And um, I had the, he gave me the Santa hat and the Santa beard. <laughs> we, were, we were going up to the windows and it was funny because some of these guys had it was so serious. Um, I remember they, they were in, they were in the same room together, but they were rigging up for the next morning, but they wouldn't rig up together. So one guy's in a bedroom rigging up, one guy's in the kitchen rigging up, and one guy's in the living room rigging up, just so no one could see what they were fishing with. So me and Jason are tiptoeing around down the balcony, peeking through everybody's windows. And I remember seeing, I think it was Steve lassard He's sitting there rigging up, and me and Jason are just sitting there peeking in on him with the Santa Claus mask. And I think he turns around and looks at us like, what the hell's going on? I mean, these guys, it's just so funny how, how secretive everybody gets. You know, it's like... I want anybody to see what I'm fishing with tomorrow. This is the secret bait I'm going to catch. I've caught redfish in the snow before. This bait, you know, <laughs> um, but it was it was cold. We woke up that morning, and I remember when we launched because it was shotgun launch. I had to open the front hatch to my kayak, and it was frozen shut. And I had to pour water on it just to melt the ice, just so I could open the uh, the hatch. And I mean, I'm in my basically my bib from head to toe. Everybody bought gear just for this tournament that you probably won't ever wear again in louisiana um and i thought to myself this is one hell of a first championship tournament it was cold it was snowing i didn't think I was going to catch anything um now yeah. chuck you ended up winning the tournament that day yeah. i mean with those all those competitors in those conditions and you came back um and i think you had a pretty good stringer i forget what the the stringer was it was it three redfish or two redfish? Two redfish. Um I and trout, had. but no one caught any trout.
2: No, I yeah. actually foul hooked a trout earlier in that morning around eight o'clock, and he was so frozen, I did not think he knew what was going on. I threw him in the water and he just laid there.
0: Yeah. So tell um, us about that. I mean, how 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 are you fishing for redfish when those conditions are so cold like that? I mean, how were you able to find them and, and catch them? I mean, it was just I, actually I'm not going
2: to lie. The week before I had scouted, I had probably cursed myself. I had caught five slots that were over 26 and one of them was pushed eight and a half pounds. And it was in a totally different area than where I fished the day of the tournament. And with the wind and the conditions, I knew that spot would not be good. So my plan B was to try to find clean water somewhere, uh, Close to the launch, because I knew with the winds and everything, I didn't know how bad the winds were going to be, I didn't want to kill myself with the current and fight the uh, current coming back in. And I was fortunate enough to find an area where the water temperatures, most of that morning were running in the 40s. And I run into this flat, and I think the sun was just warming it up pretty good. And it it, Temperatures went from like 48, 49 to like 54 degrees, like that. And I knew that was going to be a ticket. And sure enough, like within five minutes on this flat, I see a redfish and I throw right in front of it and he has not want anything to do with my bait. And this went on for like an hour. And I think it was just because they were just trying to thaw out. And then around 11 o'clock from 11 to 12, I literally caught about 20 redfish. And it was like every two, three minutes a hook of fish. And they were all like decent size. And I was calling 24, 25 pound fish, five uh, inch fish. And believe it or not, I had about probably about 12 and a half, 13 pounds, roughly, which wasn't, it's not a bad stringer. I would have finished in the top three with that. And then on the way back in, I just saw this slobs swimming the right in front of me. And at first I thought it was a bull and I pitched in front of them. And when I hooked them, just like all the other ones, they barely put up a fight. I was literally just bringing them right in. And I put them on the scale and or on the uh my, my bedroom uh, stick and he was 26 and a half and i put him on the boat and he was like eight and a half pounds and i said i know i won this tournament and yeah. so when i got back in aaron clay comes up to me goes how'd you do and i said i just had a little grin and i said we'll see
0: <laughs> and, uh, I, I remember that, you you when you came in you were telling me you were worried that i think your big redfish you were worried he may be over yeah, because – Once they pinch the tail, you know?
2: Yeah, and what happened was when you put that bar across the tail, it's pinching the top and the bottom. What I was doing was I was curling that top of that tail, which is actually not how you measure on the board, and I was actually cutting myself off by about a half an inch. Mm. And when they actually Todd put it on the board, I think it was just at 26
0: and
2: a half. Mm. So it, I had another half an inch of room to spare on that fish.
0: He was a big fish, though. Yeah, I think he was 8'4".
2: What was interesting was both of the fish that I had cleaned, I cleaned that one and the other fish uh, that helped win the tournament, their bellies were full of these, like those like goby-looking minnow things, uh, mm-hmm. shrimp, crabs. And what I think happened was that sh- hard freeze later in that week had a big fish kill, small fish, and those redfish were just eating all of that dead fish floating on oh, the top of the, of the shorelines, and they would just yeah. get fat. I mean, I literally had a pound and a half of fish. In that
0: eight and a half pounder.
2: Wow. Yeah, it was incredible. I pulled, I pulled five mullet out of his belly that were over six inches.
0: Wow. Yeah, that was, um, I ended up, I ended up finishing fourth in that tournament. I had, uh, I caught all my fish. I had no bites all day. I caught all my fish a couple hundred yards from the launch, you know, right at the end of the day. And, uh, I, I mean, I was like shocked. I was like, eh. you know, I may have a shot here. I had a fishing fourth, but, you know, you had a hell of a day there. I mean, you had plenty of fish caught. Tyler, we got, you know, that was the, you the first one to win the belt. I mean, you're going to go down in the annals of Bayou Coast history as the first guy to win the belt. And I think, Tyler, we've got a real good picture of that, don't we?
1: Yeah, I, I have it up.
0: Yeah. And I tell you, Chuck, that's a great picture of you. You're holding up that. you know, when I see that, it reminds me of Rocky. You know, when Rocky's got the belt and he finally wins it and he's holding up a long, hard fight all day, you're fighting the elements, you're fighting the fish, you're fighting everything. You got the belt and, you know, it couldn't have gone to a better guy uh, to win it that year. And um, when Steve won it this, this past year, he won the championship. You were so gracious. You came up, you handed the belt off to him. Uh, you started a little tradition there. Uh, I hope it continues. You know, I'm sure Steve's a great guy. I'm sure he'll congratulate whoever wins it next year. Yeah. Um my daughter's been asking me when the belt's coming home. I actually had it when I had it made. I brought it to the house, and and she loved it. And I said, "Well, baby, uh, I don't know."
2: <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> funny. What's funny about that belt, though, is I had all these intentions to actually wear the belt for some of these tournaments, and yeah. you kept giving me a hard time. I literally forgot it in my closet every tournament. Every Tournament the guys would be like, "Where's the belt?" And I'm like, "Uh, it, it's at home." Yeah. I but think, I think somehow, you remembered to
1: bring up think, the Christmas party. That might've been the only Yeah,
2: time. <laughs> And I think some guys actually thought I'd actually lost the belt and I was trying <laughs> to figure out how I can get a replica of it. made. Yeah.
0: Well, and you know, you, um, you did wear it, I think to the, uh, to the boat show. I, I think brought you it had to it to the boat, boat show. show. <laughs> yes. I, I held it
2: on for a little while. And then, um, I think the, uh, I think for the championship, I had it on for a little while, but with all that, with all that, uh, Rain, I didn't want to uh, mess it all up. So.
0: No, it's it's a beautiful belt. Um, I know the Florida guy's been talking about taking it out of state with them this year, so we'll we'll see what happens. I'm hoping we get some some guys to to keep it in the state um, and keep it, on it, that thing.
2: It'll be interesting to see how everything shakes up with angle of the Year. I know yeah. Devin's at the top right now, but there's a lot of guys in that top ten that are pretty close. In fact, two officers, or is it three officers, in the top five
1: it's two or three i think it's three yeah it's pretty impressive
0: yeah it is it really is um you know when we moved the championship actually up to november this year in hopes of trying to get some better weather you know um normally we we do it in december but when the tournament shook out we were able to move it up to november and what we're actually going to do is we're having a backup date in december like the first week of december so if for some reason we have a polar vortex come through, like came through last year for Trout Challenge in November. We've got a backup date, and I think in December that we'll announce um, about two or three weeks later, just in case. And then obviously, you know, if it goes that day, it's going to have to go that day. We can't push it back anymore. But we're really trying hard to get some good weather. Last year, the fishing was just phenomenal down at uh, Bayou Log Cabins. Um, the, I think that we were out there fishing the weekend before. There was about four or five of us out there scouting we were catching redfish we were catching trout we were i mean we were throwing top waters corkies meridines they were destroying everything and um, tournament day of course it comes in we had a bad forecast coming in it was looking like um 20 30 i'm mean, about 30 knot winds we actually called it early and said everybody had to be in way in for noon you know there were some complaints and i understand there was some complaints but we were looking out for the fishermen everybody left and uh, Tyler and I were still there. And when that storm came through, which would have been the regular weigh-in time, there would have been no way we could have had a weigh-in at that point. We had 30-knot winds, sheets of rain coming down. It got bad for about an hour um, while we were packing up everything. Um, but I'm glad everybody got in. You know, it was, it was a good time. We had a great time out there that, uh, that Thursday night, Friday night. I think um, we had a gumbo. Some of the guys um, had some Vietnamese egg rolls. So we had a lot of fun out there. Um, so Chuck, let's fast forward. Uh you fished pack a few weeks ago, and that's one of the things we want to talk about today. Right. Uh the double trouble tournament is going to be held at Point of shin. although people are going to be out of fish, Lafouche and Terra Bone. so Leeville, Golden Medal, Bassons, Pack, Cocodry, Dulac, and everything. But you fished the uh, the Bayou Classic a couple weeks ago, and you took both first place and big fish. And this was a redfish tournament, right? Correct. And, Tell us uh, about your day. It was actually a slam. It
2: was a, it was slam. a slam.
0: Yeah. Redfish, so, trout, and flounder? Two, two trout,
2: two redfish, and then a flounder as your kicker. And, uh, yeah, I ended up just getting two reds and two trout. But uh, there was only a handful of guys that actually caught uh, two trout with their their two reds. Um, so, yeah, the conditions were tough that day. I actually decided last that Friday night to actually come in and fish the tournament. It was like mm-hmm. last minute and uh, get down there early on Saturday. You know, Lisa and Eddie, are such good people. And I didn't really realize it at the time, but when I actually put in, go across to uh, start, uh, I had about a three and a half, four mile paddle. Francis had left before me and Lisa and them actually shut down the marina for anybody not fishing the tournament. Cause you know, that current rolls through there at pack, it was literally running about three knots from the north to south, and I had to paddle against it. It took me almost 45 minutes to get from the launch to where those skimming nets are, just north of the launch, which is incredible. That it, it was it was bad. And it was raining on top of it. So that was that was miserable. <laughs> that first hour and a half I was soaking wet. And then um, as that rain started to slack, I remember seeing uh uh Matt Carr. And he was literally pitched down with his head down like he was just huddled up, looking down, blocking the rain like he was a homeless person in a boat. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he ended up splitting ways. And uh, water was dirty everywhere for the most part, which is uncommon for a uh, point of because a lot of times you can find some really clean water. And, uh, man, once that wind started to lie down, it was like a dinner bell. And I just saw a ton of fish with their backs out of the water on flats. And I found this area that had about 300 yards of fishable shoreline. And literally, if you look down the shoreline, you'd see a redfish every 15, 20 yards, busting bait up against the shoreline. And I literally was picking and choosing which ones I wanted to throw to. Mm
0: -hmm. And in
2: less than 30 minutes, I caught over 14 pounds of two redfish. Wow. And I literally stopped. And then got bored trying to catch trout. So I went back and caught a few more reds just for the fun of it. And then on the way in, I was, actually got lucky drifting across a, a small little bay and pocket unprotected and caught two trout and, and hauled ass um, back in. And I made the weigh in by like 20 minutes. And if I wouldn't have had those two red, those two trout, I wouldn't have actually placed uh, it. I think I would have placed third because two trout with your two reds actually uh, placed you higher than if you had two bigger reds and only one trout. So okay. part of the slam was if you had two trout, it would, it would kind of like a slam, a small slam scores you higher than if you just had two monster reds. This is the same deal with the trout. Two trout was a kicker better than uh, just having two reds.
0: I got you. So um, I take it no flounder were caught. No, I don't, not, not one person caught a flounder. Yeah. Time. I'm sure most people were focusing on redfish and trout. And then, you know, uh, and then, you know, I guess if they had time going out to flounder, so, you know, you fish pack a lot. You've had a lot of success out there. Um, you know, can you give us some tips about people fishing pack? I don't do very well out there. I, I fish it. Uh, I don't go there a lot. I love Eddie and Lisa. They got great facilities out there. Um, but, you know, Highway 23 is, is kind of the area I fish a lot because it's closer to my house. But uh, when I go down there, uh, you know, I want to have more success. And I see some people do really well out there and some people not so much. What do you find is is very helpful for people fishing that area?
2: So uh, one tip I can give uh, people, um, I love fishing with Johnson Sprite spoons. Um, I don't fish anything bigger than a quarter ounce out there because if you're fishing in some thick grass, you want that that spoon to basically slide over the top of that grass. And anything with more weight, you know, half ounce spoon, you're literally going to be, Pumps of grass in and it's not going to be nearly as effective i actually even use a smaller sp- spoon than that, like the one eighth ounce the only problem with that spoon is the hook's really really small and on a bigger red sometimes you'll either lose it or they'll straighten your hook out so that's the chance you take but
0: now these are going to be weedless spoons
2: yes yes it's the ones with the uh, weed guard on the top on the front of the hook yeah uh, i also love um like you're talking about like the uh, inline spinners out there,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, weedless. I usually fish the ones without, uh, with uh, like the, uh, like owner hooks or uh, on the back side, like, but I like five odd or better because the smaller size hooks, they, uh, they kind of hide in the bait. And then when, when that fish hits on that bait, they don't really get to, that hook doesn't get to stick out as much. And you have a less, less of a strike zone as far as that hook setting in his mouth. So I usually don't fish with any smaller than four or five odd hooks and uh, inline spinners, um, chatter baits. Um, I, I love flukes out there. I like a weightless fluke on days where there's, they're really in thick, thick, thick grass. And sometimes I'll just be laying in a pocket. I'll throw that fluke and it'll just slowly sweep down in front of floater, right in front of them. And nine times out of 10, they crush it. And that's been a really effective bait for me. A lot of guys, don't even think about fishing with baits like that. A, a
1: fluke, really is, my, a fluke is one do. of my favorite um, freshwater bass fishing lures, and I, I rarely throw it saltwater, and I don't know why.
2: Uh, yeah,
1: the, the the
2: advantages you have with it is it's without any weight, it's a slow suspending bait. So it's not going to just drop in front of the red to the bottom, and he's like, where did it go? It literally will float, kind of slow right in front of him. Another thing I've done that's – I I made it up one tournament. I actually had it in my, in my, in my kayak. I actually took a piece of styrofoam and I stuck it in the belly of a fluke right where the hook set, the hook was. And I actually made the fluke almost like a topwater. and I would drag it over thick grass. And I was working it like you would a frog. And I had a really good success one trip with that for redfish. And, uh, Actually, I actually haven't fished with that much, but I know on certain days when the grass gets real thick, that would be a really good uh, improvis- uh, improvisation with, uh, you know, your baits.
0: Now, so, now, can can you tell me, are you fishing ponds out there or is it more like the, the shorelines of open bodies?
2: Uh, it, it depends. That This tournament, I fished a small, like a bay um, on the protected side is where I found um, a lot of the good reds. Um, uh, some of the turn I have some ponds that I like to fish. Um and they're either in there or they're not in there. Um, But it just depends on the water clarity and uh, the size of the fish. You know, I I don't like to go uh, blind when I go fishing. there. I like to at least fish one day in there just so I know what kind of fish, or, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, certain ponds. But the water's usually always clear out there, so I I rarely use baits that are dark. I usually use clear, natural-looking baits, uh, chartreuse a lot. uh, like, like a pearl color is like a popular color, like, yeah, yeah. um, but that day of that tournament, I actually fished with a, uh, like a penny color gulp on a one eighth ounce hook, uh jig head. And the reason why I use such a small jig head, those redfish were literally in three inches of water and anything heavier than that, you were just dragging on oysters and you were getting snagged. So I needed something that would kind of float over those oysters as I was reeling it in. And that was an effective, uh, bait because the water was so dirty. I mean, you literally had to put the bait right in front of them to eat it because like I said, the visibility is probably like a three out of 10.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, it makes fishing tougher, but uh, the reds were still, you know, they were feeding like crazy. And you know, it's interesting. I know you noticed, you said this in uh Cocodry. There was a bunch of small shrimp in that, in the marsh and point And I'd notice on certain flats, you'll see shrimp popping out the water in a line. And whenever you see that stop, and throw right in front of where those shrimp are popping because I guarantee you it's a decent redfish that's just cruising along the flat looking for uh, fish. And it, usually they don't see them feeding a lot on those little tiny shrimp. They're really looking for uh, cockahos and crabs. But I did actually see a few crabs swimming in some of the uh, on some of the flats, so I know it's going get, to start getting to that time where they're going to start, you know, uh, gouging
0: on our uh, crabs. I, I tell you, nothing gets me more excited when you're out fishing and you start seeing those shrimp popping, you know, across the top of the water. Mm-hmm. And uh, usually, you know, I see it a lot with, with trout, especially when you know it's off the bank a little bit and you start seeing them, you know, flip, flip, flip. And, man, you throw right over there. And as soon as you do, bam, you know, that, you know, if you're fishing with a cork, that cork's going under, you know, or whatever you're fishing with that day, that's that's real exciting. when you're seeing that um those bait fish coming right up against the bank, you know, when being scattered right up against the bank and into the grass, uh, you know, you don't see that a whole lot when you're fishing out of a boat, you know, but boy, out of a kayak and you're slipping up on an area and you're thinking, you know, there's something there. You know, what, what is it? You know, is it, a, is it a redfish? Is it a trout? Is it a flounder? You just never know what it is. Um, the, the the redfish out there, when you're normally fishing, um, you know, we're coming up on April here, the tournament will be April 6th. Uh, the redfish, you think at that point, they're going to be you know, shallower water, one to two foot, you know, skinnier water than that?
2: Yeah. The Point of Shins always been really good. It's a really good area to fish in the spring, uh, winter and spring before that algae takes over. You remember that, that trip you went out there in my boat? Yeah. And how bad the algae was, the water gets so hot and it just pulls all that oxygen out of the water. And those redfish just, they just do not want to be in there. And it's, it's just miserable fishing. You can literally find really clean water. And then the reds are just not active just because they're getting out of, getting out of dodge. because There's no gonna, oxygen. There's no oxygen in the water. Mm-hmm. And so right now that grass is going to be just growing a lot. With the, uh, We've had sunlight for the last three, four days. That grass is probably going to double and triple in size in the next two weeks. And uh, believe it or not, there's certain grass that I look for out there that I like to uh, fish. It's easier to fish in. You'll see hydrilla like that coontail kind of grass, that one, it's really hard to fish in that grass. If you can find widgeon grass, widgeon grass to me is a lot easier to fish in, and it still cleans the water up really well. And I always usually find really good redfish in widgeon grass. And I think I talked to somebody the other day where um, when uh, I found some really good reds, I always find three or four stingrays swimming all around through them. So if you find stingrays, stop. And I guarantee you, you're going to find some redfish within proximity of those fl- of those uh, stingrays. Okay, that's a good right. tip for guys. Now,
0: um, the fish that when when you go out there, um, you know they, they get a lot of people that go out there. Sometimes, you know, you get a lot of pressure out there. Do you tend to go a couple miles from the launch? You think, or or can you find fish? You know, a mile mile or so from the launch. You,
2: you can find fish closer to the uh, marina. And you might find a good fish, but consistently you're gonna have to paddle. I mean, I know for that that tournament, that uh pack tournament a couple weeks ago, I know I probably did about 13 miles, 12, 13 miles. Easy. Yeah. And you gotta get you gotta get away from all the traffic. And because mm-hmm. uh, those fresh fish have so much pressure from everybody in kayaks, you know, within two miles, three miles radius, you know. Yeah, so I like to find kind of like virgin water. That's not as much pressure. And you'll. a lot of times those redfish, you know, it's a lot easier to catch them when they're not getting pounded on all the time.
0: Mm -hmm. It's one of those things where uh, it's something I've seen a lot. People are going out, they're fishing, and um, they're fishing a lot. They're coming in with their limit of redfish. You know, and that's all well and dandy. You go out there, you have a good day, you catch a limit, that's fine but I see some people coming in and they're fishing three or four times a week and they're bringing a redfish, limits of redfish, limits of redfish, limits of redfish. I'm thinking to myself, you caught 20 redfish this week. What are you, what could you possibly do with 20 redfish in one, you know, in one week? You know, yeah. if I go out and I'm redfishing, I may have a good day. I may keep a limit. Most of the time I'm probably keeping one or two, you know, just for that trip. Um, same thing with trout. You may have a good day and everything, 25 trout, that's a lot of trout. You know, you fill up your freezer. You don't need to keep your limit. Just because you can doesn't mean you should, you know. Yeah. Think about the areas you're fishing. Think about the future. Think about I – mean, um,
2: I I can't fault guys that go out there and, you know, catch a limit. There's a lot of guys that, you know, are, are fortunate enough if they can find, you know, limits. But yeah, some guys just don't get to fish that often. And right. I do not knock someone like that that, uh, that gets limits. A lot of times when I go out there, I don't even bring in a, a, an ice chest for fish. I just have a little cooler for my drinks, and everything's catch and release. And what's great about that? At the end of the day, I don't have to clean any fish.
0: Right, right. You know, in in, in um, uh, Charles Miller, Chuck, uh, really good guy, um, Snake Doc, I think is his forum name. He's yeah. a classic example. This guy goes out, and he goes out for the for the pleasure. And and look, he you know he fly fishes. He'll bring a spinning reel. But Chuck will say, look, I caught, you know, seven or eight redfish a day, but I only bring home one, you know, one for dinner, two for dinner, and, and then that's it. You know, leave them out there, catch another day. Kalen's another good example. When you go out there, you'll see him. He he does his best, even during tournaments. He will try to keep his redfish alive the whole tournament. If he can bring them into the way and alive, he will, and then release them again. You know, it's really hard to do out of a kayak, especially in the summer when it gets hot. Yeah. Uh, but just kind of keep that in mind. Fishermen, we brag. We all love to brag, and what what's better bragging than coming home with a big thing of fish and taking pictures and all that? So, you know, there's nothing wrong with it every now and then. But keep that in mind when you're out there. uh, You're hitting some areas, catch and release. You know, there's no reason to keep your limit every time you go. Uh, Certainly, sometimes you haven't been fishing a while. You you stock up the refrigerator. That's perfectly understandable. But you know, if if everybody's out there catching limits every day and hitting an area. It, you know, it's going to hurt the fishery eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, so look, uh, double trouble. I know you're fishing this one. Um, who's your team member and have you come up with a team name?
2: Uh, we don't actually have a team name yet. Um, but, um, I guess I'll put the hat, uh, the cat out of the bag and let everybody know I'm fishing with, I'm fishing with Bryson Hatchman. <laughs> I'm fishing with Bryson. Bryson, <laughs> the, that guy can fish. Uh, he's, uh, Man, he, him, and Barton, and they tore up the tarpon uh, last year. And I was fortunate to go on a trip with him and I, caught my first uh, tarpon.
0: I remember that. And look, we we're gonna have those guys on when that tarpon run because I saw some pictures of some massive tarpon coming there, launching right there off of a. Uh, I think it's Pensacola Beach, somewhere in that yeah. area. Pensacola, well, Destin,
2: Pensac Navarre. This the run really starts around Navarre is where you see those go, and then then it then you'll start seeing them catching them in Perdido, and i know matt matt and uh, brandon they love fishing um out of Perdido. but i also heard bryce and those guys told me all the way in the gulf shores um you'll see a lot of guys catching uh tarpon The only difference is the water doesn't get as clean the further west you go but uh there's still thickest thieves in there when they're rolling and, yeah uh, live live bait on a like a on a seven odd, eight odd circle hook on like eight eighty pound uh fluorocarbon meter. and uh just hold on you throw you get that bait right in front of that school as they're rolling you'll you'll know it if if they uh take that bait in you'll know pretty quickly.
0: Tyler it sounds like we may have to do a live uh live broadcast of off the water actually on the water.
1: Yeah tarpon fishing <laughs> sounds good to me fishing.
0: yeah and that that's gonna be awesome. I know we we're planning on going out there um and doing a trip with Matthew and, and, and Brandon um, Doing a little, um, bottom fishing. I've been out there with, with uh, Brandon before and caught some some nice red snapper, cobia. Uh, we're gonna have a whole separate show on that. I'm I'm excited. That's that's a show I'm looking forward to because those guys go out, you know, off the beach in a kayak and catch red snapper, cobia, sailfish, mahi mahi, tarpon. It's incredible what they can do. You know, going two or three miles off the beach there. Um, yeah. So uh, speaking of double trouble, um, you are fishing? Well, we've cleared it, clarified it now. You speak when uh, fishing with Bryson, not Owen. Uh, have y'all decided where y'all going to fish yet?
2: No, and he, he he's he's in college, you know, so he's not going to be able to pre fish at all. So it's pretty much on my shoulders on like where we're going to go. Yeah, um, I know, yeah. If I find the fish. He's gonna there's not he's not gonna have a problem catching them. It's just finding the right fish. So I kind of have a game plan on what we're going to do, but I'm gonna have to put a few. You know, I got to put at least two or three days of scouting in before I can really feel comfortable. About would, where would
0: you it feel comfortable down. sharing your game plan with us tonight?
2: No, absolutely not. <laughs> no.
0: It's somewhere in the water. It's somewhere in the water. I'll probably
2: oh. – I'll I, I, this is the, the, the most info I can give you. I'll probably be somewhere down Highway 1.
0: Okay, so Lafouche.
2: Yeah, probably be in Lafouche. Okay. Most likely. I haven't decided 100% yet, but I swear I'm starting to lean toward, you know. Sort, yeah. Yeah. So.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm trying to go Wednesday, so we'll see what happens Wednesday. Um, yeah. So, look, we're, we're I know we're running out of time. Go ahead, Chuck.
2: Now I was going to ask you, who, who, tell us your partner and your team name.
0: Yeah, Scott Myers. Scott Myers. Uh, the Latin connection. Uh, me and Scott are I'm both – uh, we're both born south of the border. Uh, we are the Spanish Flies. The Spanish Flies. So, it should be good. Um, and, Tyler, I know you had a real interesting uh, – Uh, name for your team, but I don't think we can share share that on the air tonight. Uh, That'll be something we talk about the tournament. So look, guys, uh, I know we're running out of time. Just a few announcements. The kayak. It's pretty windy over there. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a little windy. Working my pecs right now. Uh, So look, the kayak bass fishing national championship is taking this, taking place this weekend in North Louisiana, Shreveport, Bossier city area. I know at least one of our members, Matthew Van, is going to be competing in this event. Um, certainly, we wish Matt and any other of our, of our members fishing it good luck. I think Doug's I, brother Wayne is fishing it. Oh, who's that? Wayne Wayne's Wayne. fishing it. Doug, oh, fantastic! Doug's brother. That's got a first place prize of fifty thousand. What I read.
2: It's fifty thousand cash and fifty thousand in um, other, uh, uh, you know, like basically prizes that she can win. I think it's close to a hundred thousand.
0: That's incredible. I mean, for, for bass, you know, I, to me, I'd much rather fish for trout, but some of those guys love bass. Hey, you, um, you see,
1: that's why Matt Van and Brandon Barton, those guys are starting to uh, try to learn how to freshwater fish. Cause because of that fall. Well, look at,
2: look at Aaron Clay fishing these little tournaments in Mississippi. And he caught yeah. a nine pounder right outside of Hattiesburg a few weeks ago.
0: Well, you know, pretty soon that, you know, the, the Bayou coast championship, I think we're up to 2,500 for first place this year. Pretty soon we'll be up there. We, we just got to get us a couple of couple years, a couple of good sponsors. Um, Patapalooza. The shirt design is out. And let me say, this may be the coolest shirt we've ever had. Yeah. Now, I was initially disappointed we weren't going with a Star Wars theme. Uh, the tournament is on May the 4th. Of course, everybody knows May the 4th be with you. Um, but apparently what happened was Disney and Lucasfilms got involved when they got word of our uh, design they got their lawyers involved. Bayou Coast got their lawyers involved. It was a big mess. So at the last minute, we said, fine, we'll go with something else. So instead of having a really cool-ass Star Wars theme, we got a really cool-ass Kraken theme. And I know, Tyler, you're going you're gonna to put that up there for everybody to see. I want to give a big, big thumbs up to Trisha Lewis. That's Todd's wife. Designing the shirt, ignoring the fanboys. This was, I think, by far my favorite design um i'm actually going to order a couple of shirts i want to get one for my wife and one for my daughter uh you know you can see the picture i think
1: tyler correct me if i that's a hobie kayak the kraken's holding right that's what it looks like you know and yeah, that's a uh trisha told me she you know so going back to the championship uh when uh, when it was snowing so trisha said that she was uh sitting in the hotel room enjoying the warm weather and uh was sketching in a sketchbook and had inspiration to draw this uh, this image here basically based off of your, your history of planning tournaments with terrible weather. She said she always felt like our tournaments were, were doomed and gloomed, like something somebody was out to get us. And so she came up with this Kraken idea. So she's actually sketched this up about two years ago and uh, found found somewhere to um, use it. So it's a pretty neat design. It's an
0: awesome design. I mean, uh, kudos to her. That This is probably my favorite shirt uh, design. I'm going to get a couple. I'm going to wear it all the time. So, Tricia, thanks for doing such a great job for the club again. Um, so, registration for Palooza is going to be opening soon. Uh, you have plenty of time to sign up. The tournament's not till May 4th, but, you know, realistically, we're looking at about five weeks away right now. So, uh, as soon as double trouble's over, everything's going to be focused on Highway 1 and getting ready for that tournament. Uh, obviously, you want to try to get that slam, um, redfish, trout, flounder, and we're going to we're gonna be doing plenty of shows about that coming up here soon. So uh, don't forget to sign up for Double Trouble. Registration's open all of this week and next. Um, I'm hearing a lot of talk about this tournament. Some of the team names I'm seeing are, are just plain awesome. People are having a lot of fun with this one. Uh, you know, get excited because it's something different.
2: Let them know, too, that we're going to leave the uh, thread on uh, Facebook on the on the uh, club page about guys looking for partners i don't want anybody to feel left out and they don't have a partner we can try to part you up with somebody so you know you can still fish this tournament
0: yeah that's a good point chuck so we uh we started a thread on the facebook page i know there were a couple of guys looking for a partner so uh if you're looking for a partner feel free to to take a look at that link and uh and team up on that you know if you can't have if you can't find a partner you still want to fish the tournament you absolutely can um you know, chances of you winning the uh, the partner weigh-in it's going to be difficult because you know the teams can weigh in two reds and ten trout individually. You can only weigh in one red and five trout. But there's an individual in Calcutta. There's angler of the year points. There's qualification for the championship. So there's there's a lot of things you can do if you can't find a partner. But hopefully everybody's going to be able to find a partner. Certainly, uh, we're going to do our best. If you can't find a partner, uh, give me an email. Shoot me an email or Tyler or Chuck. We'll, we'll you know we'll we'll look out for you. Um, So if you missed part of tonight's episode, check it out on YouTube or Facebook. It's also available as a podcast. Uh, I'm on the road a lot. I got to listen to our podcast last week uh, when I was driving up to Shreveport with Justin. I just had a blast with him last week. Had a good time with Chuck tonight and Tyler. Uh, Chuck, thanks again for coming on and giving us some tips about the tournament. Uh, I'm going to use some of your tips hopefully in the next couple weeks, see what I can pan out, maybe if I can change my luck down and pack. Certainly, we look forward to having you back on soon. There are a lot of good topics I know you can can help us with. Hook removal, fishing grass, growing tomatoes. You know, so a lot of good things to talk about. Good night, everybody. Uh, Tight lines. We'll see you next week. And if you're fishing this weekend, good luck and stay safe. Thanks.